You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. I just wanted to share very briefly a, a, a teaching that I, that I came across this week as I was uh, studying the Torah portion. Uh, Torah portion this week is uh, Parashat Nitzavim, which is uh, toward the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Can everybody hear me okay? It's toward the end of the book. I know we're in a different kind of acoustic setting, so I don't know exactly how to modulate my voice. Uh, so we're in um, the end, toward the end of the book of Deuteronomy. We're coming uh, toward the conclusion of the book, which makes sense because we uh, finished Deuteronomy at Simchat Torah, which is just in a few weeks, and uh, start the Torah over again. And Deuteronomy, if you recall, is... Uh, entirely uh, or almost entirely Moses' uh, final speech, final set of instructions and teaching to, uh, to the Israelites before they enter into the promised land. And Moses, of course, uh, dies because he is not allowed to enter into the promised land. And so there's a lot to glean from the book of Deuteronomy in terms of, uh, of, of uh, uh, it, it seeks to distill as someone would, you know, as they're sort of in their last days, you know, like what is the what is the juice, right? I'm going to like throw away all the rind because we've got to get to the point here, right? I mean, it takes a whole book to get to the point, but nevertheless, we're going to get to the point here. Like, what's the point of, uh, of, of Judaism? Like, what are we really supposed to be doing? Because I'm going to die on the other side of the Jordan. You're going to cross over to the other side. You're not going to have me anymore. So this is my last opportunity to share something with you. So what is the essence of what I want to get across? And so the book of Deuteronomy is really a treasure trove of, uh, of, of extraordinary and powerful teachings that in a lot of ways form the core of what it means to be Jewish. And uh, there's a verse in this week's Torah portion uh, which comes somewhat out of nowhere. Um, it, it, there, there are all sorts of commentaries that try to connect it to the passages that come before, the passage that comes after, and no one's exactly sure why. And one of the reasons that they're not exactly sure why is if you uh, were to look at this verse uh, in the Torah itself, uh, meaning in a Torah scroll itself, or uh, even in a printed edition of the Bible, you would notice dots over the first uh, um, uh, uh, several letters of the verse. And no one exactly knows why the dots are there. The dots were placed there by the uh, Masoretic tradition in the uh, 11th century, but it may be a tradition that dates back before. Um, and there are dots like that in places elsewhere in the Torah. And usually it indicates something that like the Masoretes... Like, we, they, they said, like, we have a tradition that this goes here. Uh, the Masoretes were the people who, who scribed the Torah. And they, they're like, they, we have a tradition that this verse goes here, but it doesn't really seem to fit, and we're not really sure why it goes here, so we're just going to put dots here so that you know that it's not our mistake that it's here, that it was somebody else's who came before us. Anyway, so it's, so it's a, an obscure verse, uh, and, uh, and it's um, uh, uh, the subject of a lot of debate and a lot of interpretation. Uh, and so if you were to open a, you know, traditional commentaries on, uh, on, the, on the Torah, you would find uh, on this verse um, more than probably the rest of the verses in all the Torah portion, although there's a few others, uh, um, a, a, a wealth of commentaries uh, trying to figure out you know, what exactly this verse means and what it's doing and the place it's doing. The verse is... Hanista rot ladonai Elohenu, the Haniglot Lanu Uvanenu ad Olam La Asot et Kol Divreha Torah Hazot. Which translates something like uh, the hidden things are for the Lord our God, uh, and the revealed things are for us and for our children forever to do all of the words of this Torah. 
And you can hear just from the English translation that there's syntax problems in that verse. We don't really know exactly what it's trying to get across and what does it mean the hidden things are for God and the revealed things are for us and our children. Isn't everything for God or you know what are the things that are outside the realm of, uh, of human jurisdiction? So lots of different commentaries. There's one that I found that I found that I thought was really extraordinary. So the Svat Emet, who was an 18th century uh, Hasidic master, said this, Hanistarot laronai, the hidden things are for God, that's a line from the verse, kol haratzon v'hachuka ha'pnimit tzarich liyot rak laronai. So all of uh, the uh, desire and the internal striving needs to be just for God. Right? All of our inner sensibility, our, our heart, our spirit, our mind, right? our, our inner feelings, our inner drives, our inner desires, it all has to be, he says, uh, directed toward God. We need to have like holy intentions, holy purposes. Um, we should be spiritual people. We should uh, uh, strive to cultivate you know, an internal sense of connection, relationship with, with, uh, with God, or if you're not so big on God, um, the transcendent element of all reality, uh, the connection between uh, us and uh, all that is. Right, so the first part of the verse, Hanisarot, the things inside of ourselves, he says, um, are supposed to be for God. And then he says, Af Even as the revealed things, the external things, the limbs should be prepared to do business also in this world. In other words, in the Jewish tradition, we are not monks. We are not monastics. We don't separate ourselves on a mountain somewhere to sit and meditate for days, months, years on end, separate from humanity, separate from our occupation, separate from our lives, to cultivate our inner sense of spirituality, our inner sense of connection with the divine. We are called, according to the Sfat Emet, to do that in conjunction with engaging in the physical world, with our limbs, with our bodies, with our hands, doing the work of life. But here's the amazing thing he says, It's just that those physical matters should not be separated from the general spiritual sense of a person. And that's what it means to do all of the words of this Torah. What is that teaching? Simon and Garfunkel sort of got that right. Yeah, what did they say? God only knows. God made his plan. The information's not available to the mortal man. We're working our jobs, going our way. We think we're sliding, that we're sliding down the highway, but in fact we're slip sliding away. That's that verse. Uh, yes, so I think that that is a plausible interpretation of the verse. I'm not sure that's what the spot I met is saying. <laughs> what I think the spot I met is saying is that in Judaism, we are th- this dichotomy of body and soul. That we have spiritual pursuits and then physical pursuits. Judaism doesn't know of such a distinction. That our spirituality is physical and our physicality ought to be spiritual. 
that when we worship, when we, cult- when we meditate, when we cultivate our internal sense of, uh, of the divine relationship with, with the divine, our own internal spirituality, it ought not be separate from real embodied life. It should be connected to all of the people around us and the deep needs that we encounter when we sit next to and sing next to and meditate next to the people who are near us and those who aren't with us. And when we engage in the physical world, we do so not uh, by leaving our religious pursuits in the sanctuary where they belong, in that sphere, we take them with us into the street. We bring our spirituality, we bring our souls, we bring our hearts, we bring our connection with God, our our sense of relationship to the divine. We bring that to everything we do. And that includes not only the things that we might typically consider religious activities, right? So, I mean, obviously I would imagine you would think that that would apply to, you know, prayer and and performing the commandments, waving the lulav, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's true that that is physical action that's embodied spirituality. But it's also true that our everyday mundanities, our everyday business, is also in its own way worship. That we can engage our business in a way that advances uh, the sense of the divine in the world and in our hearts, or we can engage in our businesses in a way that detracts from it. We can engage in our relationships, um, our marital relationships, our relationships with our children, our relationships with our parents, relationships with our neighbors. We can engage in those relationships in ways that advance the sense of God's presence in the world, or we can engage in those relationships in a way that detracts from the sense of God's presence in the world. Our physicality is an embodiment of our spirituality. That is, if you remember, that I talked about this verse from uh, Genesis where Adam uh, is created uh, in, in the beginning of, the, in the, beginning of uh, the creation of the world. And the text there says that God blew uh, into Adam's nostrils and uh, he became a nefesh chaya, a living soul. But note there that the Torah doesn't say he became a living person with a soul. He became a living soul. Which means that from the Jewish perspective, we are embodied souls all the time. Whether we're in a religious space or whether we're not in a religious space. And that means that we carry with us that divine spark wherever we go and whatever we do. And it ought to influence wherever we go and whatever we do. We are coming on a season in which we spend a lot of time in synagogue. And it comes to a head on Yom Kippur in which not only do we spend a lot of time in synagogue, many of us spend all day in synagogue, and we're supposed to uh, uh, engage in that day as if we are like angels, wearing white, which I encourage you to do this Yom Kippur, more on that uh, uh, at a later date, and not eating, not engaging in physical acts. But the day of Yom Kippur in that way is an aberration in the Jewish tradition. We do that one day a year. We get rid of that impulse and that instinct to say spirituality is about distancing ourselves from the world in order to remember that from the Jewish perspective, spirituality is about deep engagement and deep commitment with the world, with each other, with everyone we meet, with everything we do. And as we spend lots of time in synagogue in the high holiday season, engaged in religious pursuits, spiritual pursuits, I want to remind us and bless us that we remember 
True spirituality is not only lived in the synagogue, it's also taken out into the street. Shabbat Shalom.